Hello, my name is Anthony, and this is my podcast, Theologizing Life, where we talk about how what we think about God shapes the lives we live. Welcome to Theologizing Life. I want to thank you for listening. It is 2021, and I hope that as we go into this year, you have a renewed sense of hope. I know last year, probably for all of us in one way or another, was a really difficult and challenging year. But I still believe uh, God has purpose and plans for us. And I also believe that death, disease, and decay are not things that come from the hand of God, but he is able to redeem them, that nothing is wasted, uh, that God is able to bring wholeness and healing and redemption into our stories, into the pain that we experience. And so I hope going into this year that you believe that, uh, that you have that conviction in that sense. I'm really excited about the episode I am sharing with you today. I sat down with Jason Tash, who is uh, the Chief Development Officer at Destiny Rescue. And um, just in case you don't know much about Destiny Rescue, their mission is to rescue children from sexual exploitation and human trafficking and help them stay free. So Jason and I talked a lot about the issue and about the work that they do and ways to be involved. And it was at times a heavy conversation. There was the reality of the issue. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's pretty... It's pretty overwhelming and heavy, but at the same time, it was such a life-giving conversation to hear about the work that they are doing, to hear about ways that even uh, small ways that people partner with them and how it makes such a big difference. And just to see how this is a, the, the exact sort of work that is in line with the kingdom of God. And so um, I hope uh, you um, enjoy might be the wrong word, but I hope this episode uh, maybe raises awareness for you about the issue, but also maybe inspires you uh, to continue finding ways to be salt and light in the world, whether it's partnering with Destiny Rescue or maybe it opens up a different avenue. But I hope it inspires you to continue living out the kingdom of God. So thanks for listening. If uh, you feel like this is um, uh, an episode worth sharing, uh, please do rate it on Apple iTunes. Any little thing you do can help enhance our listener base. So uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Jason and I. Hello and welcome to Theologizing Life. Uh, today I have the honor of sitting down with Jason Tash. And uh, Jason uh, was a Wesleyan pastor in the local church for several years. Uh, he was a youth pastor, I believe, uh, even before that. And um, now he works with Destiny Rescue. So um, hi, Jason. Thanks for joining us. Hello. It's, um, it's an honor to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So um, I, I always like to begin with uh, talking to guests and asking them to share a little bit of their story and just let listeners get to know um, who they are. So um, yeah, just introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your story. <clears throat> oh man, that's a, that's a loaded question. I, I would, I'd love to, I, I actually came from a, um, you know, I'm, I'm from Kansas. Um, however, <clears throat> the first uh, eight years of my life, I had like 11 different addresses. Um, oh, wow. We, we were 
uh, just, you know, my, my parents were trying to find their way in life and then uh, accepted a, uh, a call in ministry early on, evangelism and church planting. And we, um, my mother was a, um, a, a, an evangelist and singer. And so we, we traveled and she produced a couple records. So just early on, I'm growing up in, a, in an incredible, loving and safe, safe house uh, that just poured their entire life. Uh, into Christ. And, and over the years, I, 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 the things I've seen just revealed to me so clearly the realities of God and, and what he has for his people. On the other side of that, I saw people who burned themselves out in the mm. works of, of Christ and they didn't pay attention to, to home. They didn't pay attention to one another. Yeah. They didn't, we, we just um, took advantage of one another. And, and so that, mm. Uh, created some really big dysfunction in my home, and and I began uh, at a at a time in my life where I needed to take on my own faith. I needed to take on my own relationship. I loved God. I could see His realities, and somehow in my mind, I sep- I begin to separate God of the Bible, uh, the the God of the now, and how people were fleshing it out. And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't want anything to do with that. And so I actually began to reject and resist anything that had to do with uh, um, Christianity as a religion, as a faith. Yeah. And, and it took me to some dark places, to, actually to a place where um, either all of it was true or none of it was true. And I just kind of then mm. threw a towel on God and just went down a, a long road of darkness and destruction um, and desperation. And then Christ, um, really revealed himself to me at a most vulnerable place when I was considering the value of life and and uh, was just about to make some unrepairable decisions. And and, mm. and, and he came in, in such personal ways and just grace washed over me. And, and I began to see that I was allowing uh, others um, to cast on me their view and, and uh, their prescription of what Christ. And, and, and I begin to say, you know, I, I, that that's not, or I begin to see that that's not what he had for me. And so as I begin to lean back into Christ, that's when his calling came on me. Um, and, and in fact, I, I remember it very clear, you know, he just impressed on me. Um, and, and this doesn't happen always, but he, he just said Isaiah 61. And, mm. and I, that wasn't familiar to me at that time, honestly. I didn't know what that meant. So I, I opened up to Isaiah 61 and I said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he, the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captive and release from darkness for the prisoners. And at first it was like, that's what the Lord was telling me that he was coming to do for me, that he, he had good news for me and that he was going to bind up my brokenness and that he wanted to free me and release me from the darkness. And as, as, as I just began having a, you know, it, it was probably long, but it felt fast in this conversation yeah. with God uh, because he was showing me these places in my life where, the, where they were binding me and holding me and had suppressed me and uh, oppressed me. Um, and, and I just felt like chains, really. I just felt all of the stuff washing off. But in the, towards the end of that conversation, I, I, I just, I heard him say, go and do likewise. Mm. I'm calling, I'm, I'm sending you to go and do likewise. And, you know, not maybe not knowing exactly all what that 
all what that meant. Um, but it, it may, it aligned with so much of what I sensed God saying to me early on. So that's, that's really the beginning years of me coming into ministry and starting, um, uh, into youth ministry and then later becoming lead pastor and even bringing me here to, to destiny rescue. So, you know, from, from Kansas and then through the Marine Corps and North Carolina to Indiana to in a, in a Jonah experience, finding Finding God loves me right where I am and, and has good in mind for all of us uh, begin to set me on a path of, of freedom um, and joy and peace, wanting to share that with others. Man, that's, um, yeah, that's awesome. Um, thanks for sharing. Uh, it's just neat how God met you um, in, in that place. Um, re- this is, this is a little bit off script to some of the questions I was going to ask, but if there's just like one little snippet of advice you would have for, um, uh, parents, uh, who are in ministry, um, or maybe just parents in general, like it, it would be relevant to them too, maybe, um, or, or maybe one takeaway you as a parent, like from your upbringing, uh, hmm. was determined to do differently or, um, yeah. Do you have any, just uh, parental advice on that, on that? regard yeah i think i've got some some you know some best practices and things that um i wish i would have done better and some things that i learned and i think i did better and and for sure my kids now i think they're doing better than i did uh you know we my wife and i we've we've been married 27 years and we have three kids and three grandkids so uh, through ministry um one of the things that i held near and dear to and i would I would share it often in leadership circles. I would share it from the pulpit. I would um, share it in one-on-one conversations when people would ask about my family. Because I would let them know that, um, you know, my wife, so her name's Patricia, but I would say Patricia is Jason's wife. He's not, don't hold the standard, uh, I should say that way. She is Jason's wife before she is, um, senior pastor wife mm. um, her, and for our kids you, you know that um, there uh, there's a shame honor system that we place on our kids and and oftentimes what it comes across is you might we all want good for our kids right we want them to grow up confident we want them to grow up uh, generous we want them to grow up um, loving others and doing what on and on um, Sometimes the way we can share that is we're putting a heavy mantle on them where they feel like they have to perform to be a senior pastor's kid or a a pastor's kid. And, and so we would talk often of, about, I don't need you. I'm not asking this of you so you can make me look good. I'm asking this of you or talking to you about this because God has good for you. Mm. And, and so just calling it to calling it out so that the enemy can't plant those seeds in them. Yeah. Uh, because I often felt like, um, I was put on a stage and a bit to perform, to make the pastors look good. And yeah. I, I just didn't want that for my kids. You know, when you grow up in ministry, you feel like you're in a, a fishbowl. Everybody's yeah. just watching you. So we just intentionally had conversations that says, listen, your behavior isn't, 
I'm not frustrated because you made a pastor look bad. Forget that. Listen, this is dad and, and son talking. This is dad and daughter talking. Yeah. God has better for you. Yeah. And I, I want that desperately for you. And let's talk about what we can learn out of that. So the more you can relationalize, you know, and yep. describe that life versus prescribe that life, it just goes far better for your family. Yeah, that's great. Um, I sort of have a similar uh, position with my, my wife and kids, you know, um, uh, my, I'm, I'm the pastor and she's, she's my wife and um, I don't, I don't force her into things that she doesn't feel God calling her to as Emily. Um, Cause she doesn't have to fit into some sort of uh, pastor's wife mold. That's um, right. But so um, I want to talk a little bit about um, like uh, you were uh, a pastor for a while and now you are working with Destiny Rescue, which is still ministry. Um, but I'm just curious what uh, kind of what inspired that transition um, and what, what has that been like? Because I think sometimes I feel the sense myself as a pastor that like some people may look at that as like, oh, you left the minute like you're actually still doing ministry. But because you're not in the local church, like, oh, you left the ministry um, you, or sometimes it may be even like, you know, paint it in light of like giving up or something. So like, try. What, what is what is what inspired that transition? Um maybe in terms of God leading you to it and what, what has that been like for you? Sure. You, you know, early on, and I remember right where I was sitting on the road. Um, I, I really was in a dark place and, and yet knowing having poured into me all, all that had been poured into me about who God is and, and, and seeing his miraculous powers, like, got to see God show up in just some wild ways, really, and personal ways. Um, and, and in that, when I was in that darkness and, and as God was bringing me out, I remember pulling, I wouldn't suggest this to anybody, by the way, I pull over on the side of the road and I could take, take you right to where I was. And, and I pull over on the side of the road and I put the car in park and I just said, God, I'm not moving from here until you bring peace to my soul about what it is that you want from me. In fact, you know, I, again, I wasn't in the best of places, but can you imagine like, and, and I think God's good with it. I honestly, I know God's good with it, but I, I just kind of looked up and this is exactly what I said. I said, what the hell do you want from me? <laughs> um, I don't think he had hell in mind, but um, I, I felt tormented and it wasn't because of what God was doing to me. It was because what I was doing to me, I was resisting him. And I was trying to find my purpose and everything else. And it was just tearing me apart. And, and so I pulled over on the side of the road and I said, God, what do you want from me? And I even pull out a pen and paper as if he's just going to, all right, number one, number two. But all I heard was, I want you to follow me. Follow me. And I was like, I, I will follow you. Where do you want me to follow you? And he brought back... Um, you know, that's when the scripture that I just I read earlier and, and I pulled out my Bible and, and, I, and I and I read that, that passage. And as we begin to talk, my calling early on was a call to follow Christ in the ministry he had put on me. He didn't call me to a position. He didn't call me to a, a, a specific place or type of ministry. He, uh, or a role, I should say, a role in ministry. 
he, he called me um, to live out what he had put on me wherever I was. And so as I begin to walk through disciples, you know, into a discipleship relationship with him and the church, uh, I begin to practice this ministry in, in youth ministry. And I had a genuine love for kids and for students. Uh, I wanted them to have a biblical relationship. I, I, I wanted to describe, not prescribe. I wanted to describe what God had for them and allow them to take that journey. And, um, and <clears throat> so anyway, God blessed that. And, and then he, in, in, within the same church, you know, he began to give me favor and influence where I would move into more of an associate pastor role and begin to lead adults and, and disciple and do outreach. Um, and, and then even later in the same church where he would allow me to be a senior pastor, all of that, as I see, was equipping me and training me and preparing me and giving me a safe place to practice his gifts and his talents and his personality that he's given me. Um, and, and I wanted to be faithful to serve him where I was. And any time that, um, that he would, whenever he would want to call me, lead me to a um, particular you, you know, other area of ministry, I always wanted to be available. That was my surrender. I will be available to you always. So I, I don't know that I necessarily had a, a call to be senior pastor of a local church. I did have a call to follow him. And in that pursuit, he asked me to be a pastor for a time. In that pursuit, he asked me to seek ordination. In that time, he asked me to do certain things. But if you look through the thread of all that he's led me to do, it's always been about, um, it, it, it's always been uh, about proclaiming good news to the poor. And not, I'm not just talking poor in income, um, but, but to those who uh, are lacking in the goodness of God and the healing of God and the wholeness of God. Uh, that he in, in in the thread of all of that, he's called me to proclaim freedom for those that are shackled and because not every prison has walls. And if we look to an institution to find freedom, we're going to get let down every time. If we look to a denomination, if we look to a service, if we look to a program to find freedom, we're going to get let down every time. The only person that can offer true freedom is the truth in the person of Jesus Christ. And so that's been the thread is helping people find their freedom and who he's been. Uh, so I've just had seasons in my ministry and right now I'm in a season with destiny rescue. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Uh, what, tell us a little bit for anyone who may not be familiar with destiny rescue. Tell us a little bit about, um, you know, why working with Destiny Rescue is completely in line with that calling? Like what, what is the work they do? Um, and then maybe, um, yeah. yeah, talk about the work they do and lay out sort of the reality that they're seeking to address and the freedom that they're, they're seeking to bring. Absolutely. You know, I'll never forget it. I could, I could take you right where I was sitting in with this one. I had these just monumental markers. In my, uh, I had, this was, I was finishing up my, my first year as lead pastor at the church and um, an organization called Destiny Rescue had just came into the United States and they were right 
the road from Berkshire. And uh, the person that was leading our, our mission outreach initiative came to me and said, hey, I've, I've recently learned about this organization that's come here in the U.S. and, and they um, rescue kids out of sex trafficking. And I said, what? That, I, I, it just wrecked me. I said, wait, wait, what'd you just say? And, mm. and they're like, yeah, he's, and they're right down the road and they'd like to share their Christian organization and, uh, you know, they're international and, and the, they're looking for church partners that would, that would help set kids free, uh, help rescue kids. And I said, absolutely. And so I, I met with the, the gentleman and, um, had a conversation like, listen, we got to get you in this. And so we, we, we invited destiny rescue to come and share. And I was sitting on the front, on the front row, uh, listening and towards the end of the service, God impressed deep inside me. I just, uh, I would almost want to say I, I heard it, but it wasn't audible, but I heard it. And he said, you are going to work with them one day. You're going to work for them one day. And it messed me up a little bit because I just really accepted the lead pastor role. Um, but it was, it was all in line with that calling, but I, you know, I, I just wasn't ready yet. There was still a yeah. lot of shaping that God had to do. So that was my first introduction. And we just began to volunteer with destiny rescue and we begin to serve and, and give and donate, um, you know, and uh, let them be a part of the fabric of who we are as a church. So that was my first introduction. And then, um, a little over three, almost four years ago, uh, I, I, God just was really very clear to my wife and I that our season at the church was coming to an end and that um, there would be a new uh, pastor that would take them to the, to, to the place that he has for them. Uh, but what he's calling us to do looks, looks different. And, and just through some I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't looking for it, but I ended up in a conversation with the CEO of Destiny Rescue, and we were just talking about life and meeting Christ along the way and how we share that with others. And, and he just said, Jason, what would it look like for you to work for Destiny Rescue? And, and it, immediately it took me back to 2008. And I was wow. like, I just had this wild moment. And so, um, that that's really how I came into Destiny Rescue. You know, Destiny Rescue is an international Christian nonprofit organization that is dedicated to rescuing kids out of sex trafficking and exploitation and doing what it takes to keep them free. So um, just for, for listeners, and I'm sure you, you know some things, and um, uh, could, could you just like we've, I think by now there's some awareness that sex trafficking and exploitation happens, but um, could you just sort of remind us of the lay of the land? Like what is the reality that Destiny Rescue is addressing? Because um, sometimes we can either become numb or tune out, or sometimes I think we don't know um, how how big an issue can be sometimes. So um, with when it comes to sex trafficking and, and exploitation and the, the work you guys are doing, what is the lay of the land? Sure. You, you know, sometimes we can, we can, we, we, when we put titles on things, we, when we label stuff, it really helps. It defines it. Right. And, and sometimes there's such broad, broad labels that it, it still remains a, a distant topic. Um, yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't become real. 
for us. And, and so when we're talking about human trafficking, when we're talking about sex trafficking, you know, for your listeners, like, let's make it real. This is about selling people, selling people's freedom for profit. We're, we're going to sell an individual to make money. We're, we're, people are a commodity. And, and let's dive it even deeper. Let's rob a child of their innocence and their childhood and offer them to be sexually abused multiple times a night so I can make money. Mm -hmm. That's the issue. And this, this issue, there is not a, uh, there's not a a, a place, you know, there's not a country free of this. It, It is. And it has been going since, well, there's been sexual violence and, sexual immorality since you, you know almost the beginning of time right uh, this is nothing new it, uh, but it is being brought to the light so w- to help us understand the enormity of the, of the issue uh, the international labor organization which is kind of where we really lean to as to because um, there's a lot of facts and or at least there's a lot of statistics uh, out there, and, and so we lean into the uh, International Labor Organization, who we believe ha- is the most credible uh, to understand the world view of it, and and they have it estimated that there are over forty million people who are trapped in modern slavery today worldwide, mm. and that at least at least, this is what we know. So imagine what we don't know. Yeah, right. That there are over forty million individuals who are still being treated as a slave today. And of those, at least one million children are trapped in sexual slavery. That, that, that's a million kids are sex slaves. Um, when, when we think about the, the business side of, of this, you know, human trafficking generates $150 billion a year. And if you if you just narrow in to the sexual exploitation uh, of it, um, ninety nine billion dollars a year wow. is generated from co- uh, commercial sex slavery. Wow! Just it, it's absolutely mind boggling, you know, to 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 think in in those terms. It's it's actually you know if you think about. Um, uh, 150 billion. That's four thousand seven hundred fifty dollars a second. It is the fastest growing crime in the world today. It, it takes Coke, um, Disney, Nike, and Starbucks. Wow. To to equal the profit of this evil. It's incredible. Um. How um, how do how do children end up in this situation? A lot of times, I know there's probably several different ways, but um, what does this sometimes? What does this a lot of times look like? Yeah, yeah it's not the movie Taken. I can tell you that. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen, but that's mm-hmm. not the no- it's not yeah. the norm. Yeah, um, it, it it's not the Hollywood version. Uh, of it 
the International Labor Organization would also say, and, and through the, um, you can look up the uh, traffic in persons report. If, if, uh, if your listeners would want to Google that, they would find it. Traffic in persons report, and you'll find it for every year. And they, and they actually have it by country. You, you can find each country. And so the International Labor Organization would suggest that 73% of all trafficking happens in the Pacific uh, Asia region of the world. Seven out of 10 people that are trafficked hmm. around the world, it's, it's in that region. Wow. And so that, that's primarily our focus and where we have most of our expertise, you know, and where I'm, I'm speaking from. And so when, when I'm talking about how, how, do, how does that happen for kids, if, if one out of four sex, sex traffic victims are children, how do they get there? And seven out of 10 of, of that's happening in Pacific Asia region. Um, a, a lot, some of it is um, um, gender inequality and mm. caste system. So you've you've not you're not part of the right caste. You know your family is in the lower caste, and so there's a limit to what you can do. There's your caste will determine what your life is, uh, what you what you can achieve, what you can accomplish, and what you can't. And then when it comes to gender inequality, even within the lower caste system, uh, if you're a female, your value is greatly reduced. In fact, um, one of the countries that we work in, there is a proverb that says, uh, men are like gold, women are like cloth. And, 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 you know, what they're saying is that gold, you can kick it, tarnish it, scrape it. It can, you know, you can get it dirty, you can dent it on and on. Uh, but it's still gold. It has worth. Cloth, to get stained, you just throw it away and get another one. Mm. Uh, and, and, wow. and so that's how that's how they view women. There's, you know, another, um, kind of, so, uh, like a proverb in a, in a country working that says, um, it takes many rivers to fill an ocean. And what they're, what they're saying is that men are like oceans. And women the rivers and it's many rivers to fill a man's needs so there's just a low view now when, when you it, 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 if you're dealing with the caste system if you're dealing with gender inequality th then sometimes or, or when you put on top of that lack of opportunity lack of education you know many of the countries we work in uh, a far majority of families in these countries are surviving on less than um, $3 a day. Many um, many of them are surviving on less than a dollar a day. Uh, they, they don't have adequate education. Um, they, they're not able to read. Uh, they don't have skill training, uh, vocation training. And, and so when a person is vulnerable, I think we can all attest to this. I bet every, every, every listener can understand this. Whenever you're vulnerable, in fact, one of the reasons why we resist opening up being vulnerable to someone else is because we don't want to be exploited by them. Yeah. And we see that in our country, don't we? We see it all over. And so when you're in a place where you're watching your siblings starve to death, when you're watching your grandparents um, die, and by the way, 
when in, in these countries, when you turn 13, 14 years old, you're expected to carry the weight of the family, especially mm-hmm. if you're female. Boys are protected and they get to go to school. Females, it's your job to get a job. It's your job to help with the farm, to help with the fishing. It's your job to figure out how to sustain the family. And if you don't catch fish that day, your family doesn't eat. So as the family's growing or the needs are expanding or there's medical needs and they don't have insurance and there's not going to bill you, you don't pay it. You got to pay it all now or uh, they're taking stuff. Um, People will come and they will offer, so they'll go to the remote villages and they will offer opportunity of what sounds good. They're going to exploit the vulnerabilities. Mm. You can come work for me in the city and, I'll give you a job. I'll help you with school and take care of your family. And they trick you. And once they have you, they trap you. Uh, so, so sometimes, uh, for, for a lot of times, it's it primarily two things, Anthony. It's it's poverty and the breakdown of the family unit. Those are the two leading causes that leads a child into being exploited and enslaved in in this type of um, in this type of crime. Yeah. Wow. And, and it sounds like too, um, another big component to it is, is the, um, the blindness to the image of God in every human being, um, and acknowledging the image of God imprinted on both sexes. Um, you know, both, both the genders reflect the image of God, you know? Right. Um, so it's like poverty, the breakdown of the family. And one of the things, those Proverbs you shared with me just now, it's just like, that's, I mean, that there's, there's gender role uh, discussions in our country um, and we won't go there, but like, uh, that's, that's incredible. And, and it's sad, like, no, they're mm-hmm. created in God's image, you know? Um, right. So uh what what does it look like uh for destiny rescue to go in and rescue uh victims um are there some things and maybe some things you can't share but i think sometimes this is again one of those things that people say and it's like i don't really know what it means um that you guys go in and rescue victims sure yeah i just want to kind of piggyback off what you just said i'm listening to you um Many of the countries we work in, there's religious manipulation, and and so they 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 actually believe there's some mysticism that attaches to to their particular faith, and and they many are tricked into believing that they will bring a blessing on their family if they offer their daughter this way, if they send their children to, to do this kind of work to please men and and, and that kind of thing. There there is a just a real religious manipulation that that happens in some very gross gross forms so um we're when we're rescuing like we we can't join an attack of religion either because that'll get you kicked out of a country yeah Um, but maybe maybe that's another question of how we share the gospel how do we introduce them to the god that created them loves them and love to talk about that um yeah yeah so how do we how do we rescue them it's we, we do primary ways that we actually have when so destiny rescue has um, a, a, approximately 16 different categories of rescue 
because every country is unique and, and so is their vulnerabilities and, and, and the various ways evil is exploiting kids. But let's just talk about our four primary primary ways that we rescue kids. The first one is covert rescue. And, and covert rescue means that um, our rescue agents uh, go into these, these dark places, these places of, of work, which are really places of torture for children. And we're looking for kids who um, are being abused and are being exploited. And we go in posing as a customer. Uh, I'm not a rescue agent, but I've been out on rescue, covert rescue, many times with our rescue agents. And, you know, for me, I, um, uh, you just never get used to being looked at like a pedophile. Um mm. It, you know, there's a lot of things I just never thought I'd ever say or do in my life. And one of them is walking into an establishment and trying to find and ask for young girls. Um, but that, that that's part of our role or part of their role as a rescue agent is they, they go into uh, these dark places, posing as, as a customer, building relationships with the mamasans and the brothel managers um, and the Magogs. These are, people that run these kind of institute, these businesses and you're um, trying to find girls. And so when you, when you purchase a girl, when you rent a girl, uh, you're not touching them inappropriately and you're not allowing them to touch you inappropriately. And, and that right away separates you from everybody else. And they know you're different because why then did you, buy me, rent me, and we're not doing any of that. And and we're looking at them in their eyes and we're wanting to know their name and we're starting to build a relationship. And, and they may not understand it, but they don't care because however long you have them, they're not being abused and they're safe. And so you go back, you know, not for a few nights building that relationship. And what you'll find is when you walk into that, back into that establishment, they'll run to you and they'll be like, buy me, buy me. Who says that, Anthony? What wow. kid should come up wow. and say, buy me? Uh, and I've, I've had that happen. Wow. Um, and, and after you gain their trust, um, then you pay what's called a bar fine. And you take them, um, because it's illegal to have s sex with kids. It's illegal to have sex on their premise. So what you do is you pay this, what they call a bar fine, and they'll allow you to take the girl off premise to do whatever it is you want to do with her. Well, we take her to a public place, to a restaurant, to a park, um, somewhere out in the open, well lit. And we, we just begin to talk to her. And we'll buy her a dinner, you know, and just let her dream a bit. What? We, we want to find out how did you get here and what would you do if you didn't have to be here and what, what stops you from doing that. And, and it's all leading to a place of, we can help you. Do you want to help? And so that's covert rescue. And, th and then we do raids. Raids were, were going in with undercover audio and video surveillance. We're um, setting up a sting. We're finding a, a pimp that can get us large quantities of, of kids to, to have a sex party and we're setting that up and, and we're videoing it, capturing all of it, you know, um, and, and we'll just let them know 
various things, but one example might be uh, we've we've got some friends coming in and we want to have a party and they they like girls young and underage and could you get us some and they're saying yeah well if you got us some how much would we have to pay you to have sex with them and they tell you and so if I and you even restate it so if I get this much money you'll get me this at least this many girls and we can have sex yeah and so you, we take that video and audio and we we take it to the government authorities and we share with them our evidence and then we begin to work with the national police in that country and some other agencies and we begin to put together an operation and continue to communicate and then we set it up and 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 we get marked bills and we 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 set up the the deal and uh they'll bring out the girls and they kind of parade in front of you and and you even then go over the terms of the deal this is the girls and what they're for and what we can do and how much and they say yes once we give them the money and they take it then the police come out and uh kind of raid that that place and, and arrest the bad guys honestly most of them almost everyone all the pimps that we arrest almost almost all of them probably 90 percent of them are female um wow. Wow. the um and then we we take the girls to a safe place um you know just in, into another room or whatever and we begin to explain to them what what just happened and what life they can have and how we will help them. Hmm. So that, that's a raid. The third way that we do rescue is border crossing. So covert rescue raid and border crossing. One of the countries, Nepal, you know, we're in Nepal. There are 25,000 women and children trafficked across the border every year. That's, there are many uh, villages in that area that no longer have women because mm. they've all been sold. Wow. Um, so we we have border crossing stations uh, throughout Nepal that if we're not there, it's an open border. So people can come across it with no problem. And if we're not there, women and children are being trafficked across the border continually. So Right now, we have 10 border crossing stations. We're, we're looking to expand five more and, and grow into 15 this next year. Um, and in Nepal, 47% it, 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 of their population is living in extreme poverty. They export nothing. Everything is imported. Um, there's a huge lack of financial opportunity and just life is extremely hard in Nepal. And so they, they've got some neighboring countries where it's, it's seen, it's viewed as the land of opportunity. And, and so when someone's offering to get you a job over there or to give you a family and to help you with education or provide or whatever, th there's an, there's a real need that you're living with. And so you see that country as your land of, as your opportunity. So they're trafficked across the border mm. and um, they are going to be sold in some of the harshest places I've ever seen in my life or even heard about in my life. It is wow. a, a darkness of hell. I've never, never heard of before. So we, we do border crossing rescues. Uh, 95%, this is awesome, Anthony, here's some good news in all this darkness. 95% of those that we rescue 
at the border have uh, have not yet been abused. Mm, that's awesome. So we're like, it's it's this incredible yeah. prevention, you know. And then the fourth way is interventional. We, we call it interventional rescue, and um, that goes from things like child marriage. We 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 uh, intervene and stop child marriage. Um, it, it could be generational um, within the you know within the home uh, kind of thing. Um, a, a, uh, child labor, forced child labor, um, yeah. uh, rape. I don't know. There's a lot of categories that fit into interventional, but something we, we've learned that something is about to happen that doesn't quite fit the other. They're not necessarily being trafficked into an institution. It's just kind of more one on one family situation. And we intervene and, and stop the sexual exploitation and abuse of that child. So those, those are our four primary ways that we that we do the rescue work. And that's um, that's really helpful, and it just really helps me uh, have sort of a context for when I hear about these organizations and, and different other organizations that that do this kind of work. It, it's helpful to have sort of a an idea of what what that looks like. Um, could you share a little bit, like you said, like how do you infuse this um, redemptive work with the gospel and, and what sort of efforts, um, what, what sort of things are offered uh, for those, like sort, like sort of what's next for those mm-hmm. that you rescue? Yeah. Our, so our mission, our, our, our simplified version or the way that we would simplify our mission is, is simply to say this, we we exist to rescue kids out of sexual exploitation and slavery and do what it takes to keep them free. Um, every child is unique and so is her path to freedom. So it, it, we don't have a program like a institutionalized path that every child has to go through the same steps. Uh, that's one of the things I love about destiny rescue is we do understand every child's unique and how they came into this situation and their path to freedom is going to be unique as well. Just like discipleship, there's not a one size fits all that that's going to disciple someone here in our country. It's, it's a very unique personal path. And so um, let me walk through that and I will answer the, the gospel part of, I think the gospels in all of it. In fact, if you read the, parable of the good samaritan and it, it all starts with the question of how do you have eternal life mm. and 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 it's love the lord your god with all your heart mind soul and strength love your neighbor as yourself and then and he wants to justify himself and he says well who's my neighbor and so he goes on to telling this parable and and this this uh good samaritan stops and takes has compassion um it, it's it's a word that's actually only used five times in the bible and it's a really only three instances there's twice it's repeated but it what coming up on the scene and seeing this beaten man moved so deep in the gut of the good samaritan it compelled him to action he couldn't do anything else but to act and and so what did he do he he stopped and he bandaged the wounds. He took immediate care of the immediate situation, the urgent needs. He tended to the urgent needs to stop that person from dying. Then once he had enough health and strength and, and, and mm-hmm. was good, then he put him on his mode of transportation. 
and he yep. took him to a safe place where he continued to care for him. And then he told the, you know, the innkeeper, uh, he, he told the business manager, continue to provide care for him and put his expenses on me. And when I come back, I'll pay you. And, and then Jesus says this at the end of this, do this and yep. you will live. So I, yep. I just see gospel in, in all of about what I'm about to tell you. So the first thing that we do, and, and maybe this helps, um, we kind of, in my mind, when I'm talking about it, I use an acronym called SHE'S. Like, you know, 97% of those we rescue are girls. SHE'S, S-E-S-H-E-E-E. -E -E. So that's what I'm about to walk through, right? So okay. the first one is, um, is we've got to get them to safety. They need a safe place. They yeah. need a safe place to sleep. Most of these girls have not been able to sleep safely for a long time. Mm. They, a child's bed is made for sleep, not work. We need to get them to a safe place where they can relax themselves enough to sleep and yeah. to feel safe. That happens a few different ways. It's not always our home, and typically it's not our home. It's We actually can get them back to their home um, because it wasn't about the family selling their child. It wasn't about the family um, actively abusing their child. Uh, and we can stop the generational cycle here by helping the whole family. Anyway, there's, yeah. there's three different ways yeah. that we primarily find safe places for these kids. Um, so we, we find them a safe place. We, we meet their health needs. Yeah. We, we've got to do a, um, uh, you know, from sexually transmitted diseases to mm -hmm. malnourishment to deficiencies, um, you know, dehydration, uh, vitamin. Like, there's just a lot. You, you want to assess. You want to assess their health and meet any medical needs and health needs that they have uh, that are pertinent to sustaining life. So we, we do that. Um, then we, just because we've rescued them, this is maybe hard for some to understand, but just because we rescue them doesn't mean that the need goes away of why they were there in the first place. Like most right. of them, they think they're going to serve food or serve drinks right. at a bar. And, and that's it. They end up getting tr tricked and forced to do yeah. other stuff, but they still feel the burden of their family. Or, or yeah. why they needed to earn income in the first place. Yeah. So we help with economic assistance. We give yeah. them a stipend. Listen, I want you to come to this safe place and we're going to meet your medical needs. And, and we're going to give you for a short amount of time, some economic assistance. So you can slow down and pay attention to your soul, pay attention to what you need. And we're going to help you get where you want to, to go. So we give the family economic assistance so they don't have to, they can breathe. You know what I mean? Yeah. They can just relax yeah. and breathe. And, and the urgency goes yeah. away. The fight or flight mentality goes away a bit. Um, so um, safe place, health needs, economic assistance. Then we assess her education. Yeah. Mm. What do you need to complete your, you know, for mm. them, for many of the places, it's not about completing high school. It's you need an eighth grade education. You need to be able to read. You need to be able to write. You need to be able to yeah. do math. You, you need to, um, you know, you, you just got to have some, um, be educated enough, well enough to survive. Now you can, many of them, and I can tell you tons of stories, go on 
to university and do well. And we even help them do that. But let's get you the basic education needs that you, so you can have sustain, sustainable employment and do well and have the personal confidence um, in yourself. Yeah. And, yeah. and then the, the third E is um, emotional emotional um healing yeah so we have we do have a couple christ-centered um counseling programs that um we we partner with the world's leading actually he is the leading psychologist in post-traumatic growth not not post-traumatic stress post-traumatic growth counseling Mm. this was developed to help children who are being trained as child soldiers wow. uh, throughout Africa. And um, so we're, we've adapted that and been able to use that for the type of trauma these girls have experienced uh, to help them heal uh, and move past or to grow out of the trauma they've, they've endured. Um, and, and then the, the S is spiritual needs. So we've given them a safe place. We've met their health needs. We've met their financial needs. We're meeting their educational needs. We're doing emotional kind of healing as well as vocation training. We're helping them learn a new skill because learning a new skill is also part of your emotional healing. Uh, So we we just have tons of business partnerships all throughout that help girls learn the trade or the thing that they want to do in life. And, and, and by doing all of that, we believe it puts it develops a personal relationship with the girl, with the child, with you know the individual that allows us to share because ultimately they end up asking, why do you do this? Yeah. And it's in that relationship context that we get to tell them what Christ has done for us and how we've been rescued to rescue others. And that it's um, what who. The, we believe in a God that doesn't abuse his creation. We believe in a God that created you equal. We believe in a God that has good for you. We believe in a God that wants to, anyway, and, and, and we help them see it in kind of in their context and introduce them uh, to Jesus. And so that's, that's our plan of how we, and then we walk with them, you know, for um, one to two years after they've been rescued to ensure that they're doing well. Wow. That's awesome. And that they're staying free. Yeah, man, that's uh, really just need to hear both the, the acronym you share, but also like one to, you said one to three years um, after. Yeah, we, we will stay in their life as long as they will let us, but we will be an active agent in their life for a minimum of one year. Man, that's really, um, uh, that's, yeah. that's really great. Well, um, man, this has been so encouraging and just in, in a sense informative, but the sort of information that has, I think, transformative potential, you know, the sort of information that, um, enlightens you to know how to, to, um, how to continue exploring ways to be a light in the dark world. Um, so what are some things like that you and destiny rescue would say, like when you invite Christians to partner, like what are ways that Christ followers can be part of the solution? Like if listeners 
if if there were people who were just inspired to um, to want to be part of the solution, what are some of the ways uh, that that could look like? Absolutely. I, I again, I want to make it personal on on two fronts. I want to make it real, and then want to make it personal of, of your engagement. And what what I'd like to do quickly, Anthony, is I'd like to share with you a, a letter that came to us. Uh, from a uh, a girl that we had helped, and in fact, she be- we took down an international uh, an international um, criminal. Uh, this person had multiple warrants across many countries for trafficking kids, and um, we rescued one of one of the girls we rescued became a key person in bringing down. Um, this crime lord. I mean, wow. he had operations in multiple countries. Um, it was one of the largest rescues, rescue operations we've ever been a part of. Uh, but today, this this person is has been brought to justice and is, and is in you know prison for life. This girl was. Uh, she found the boldness to testify against him and identify all the places and other people that. Cause she had been trafficked all around and wow. um, she came through our, what I'll call our program, our unique personal program for her. And uh, she ended up actually helping other girls um, navigate uh, their way in, in relationship with destiny rescue. But here's what she says. Um, this is after her rescue. And, and after we had helped her heal and kind of find her set her up in a place where she could really flourish. She sends this letter. Uh, she says, I, I miss, I miss destiny rescue. I'm going to kind of, I'm reading it in her language a bit, you know, how she would write it. So, uh, I miss, I miss destiny rescue family very much. You, uh, mean much to me and I am uh, thankful for destiny rescue family. I am supervisor in garment factory. I look after four group managers and more than 300 staff. I receive more than $300 a month. I have good husband who loves me and looks after me. We are now having son. We are having house built. It's not so big, but also not so small. Thank you, Destiny Rescue, for saving my life. I have good future. You helped me know bestest God, Jesus. I am so happy <laughs> and at peace because I have God, Jesus, in my life. Mm. That's that's what we get to be a part of, you know, when, when you're listeners just when when they're compelled to act that's what you get to be a part of so you know what what is it that you do and that's we kind of put the you you know the the, we pose the question back you know you better than i know you how could what do you think you could do to rescue kids and uh, so i'll give you three three quick things for sure um you know because it's a big problem and, and there's not one person can solve it all, but we do, we do have two choices. We can do nothing or we can do something. Yep. Uh, I can't do everything, but I can yep. do something. And that something yep. can change everything in, in the life of the girl I just read, girls like her. So the first yep. one is be informed. You know, you need to learn about it. Be informed. Go to our website, destinyrescue.org, and you can actually even download a, a field guide that we have that will just, um, in, you know, introduce you um, to the signs of trafficking and um, uh, 
to the uh, realities of trafficking, you, you also can go to the National Human Trafficking Hotline. If you Google them, that, you know, humantraffickinghotline.org, I believe it is. But if you, if you go to that website, you'll learn a lot about what's happening here, even in our own country. But there's just a lot of resources out there. What to look for. And when you see something, where and how you can say something. So, so be informed. And, and the second thing is, is be alert as you're learning, even in your phone, like put the National Trafficking Human Hotline in your phone, put your sheriff's office in your phone, uh, put state police phone number in your phone. Because even with the National Human Trafficking Hotline, you can text them. So you, you could take a picture from a far away or you could, mm, yeah. you, you know, you don't even need to do that. You can just text them and tell them the situation. And, um, but as you're learning these, these signs, um, it, it empowers you to be, to be alert. So that, that would be the, you know, the first one, the first one is be a form, informed. The second one is be, be alert. And, and then the third one is be engaged. So, uh, you know, there, there are ways that you can, you can engage you. How can you turn your passion, your hobby, your interest, your skill, into a way to rescue kids. You, you know, we have rescue partner and rescue partners and people that do fundraisers and people that raise awareness or they share it with the group, they'll share a documentary, but they're activating people's faith and they're turning yeah. that into action in a way that mobilizes rescue agents and brings freedom to kids. And a lot of those ideas are, uh, you, you, you can find it on our website at destinyrescue.org. Yeah, that's great. Um, uh, I just have uh, one more uh, a question, and um, I just, before I ask it, I just want to reiterate: destinyrescue.org um, is a website people can go to uh, to find out more. Correct? Yes. Destinyrescue.org. Yes. I want to make that clear, and um, there's a lot of resources. It sounds like that you can find from there. Um, what if someone feels like, well, I mean, I could financially partner, um, and and sometimes I think there's this. Uh, the two sides of that coin, if you will, like on one side, it can seem like, um, financially partnering, like throwing money at an issue is sort of easy because it doesn't require you necessarily to get, um, you know, uh, down in the dirt, uh, in the mess of people's lives. Um, mm -hmm. but at the same time, like financial partners are really, uh, really important for some of the things you guys are doing. So, um, if, if people, uh, were supporting you financially, but, but didn't feel like that was you know, maybe making much of a difference. Um, I think you kind of already alluded to it by we can do something, but like, um, like how important and maybe even during this time with COVID, like how important, uh, are the financial partnerships? There, there was, um, <clears throat> with, <laughs> I think that's a, a lie from, from the devil himself to try to minimize the importance of, of finances. I, I think our, I think our, our God is very clear in his book that he who's been given much is expected much. And yeah, that's good. And, and that he's entrusted in us, his resources and that we're to steward that on his behalf. We're to make choices. We're to make decisions on behalf of Christ of what we're going to do with what he's blessed us with. Part of that's our time. Part of that's our abilities and part of that's our finances and, you know, an influence. And, um, you know, it, one of the saddest days in destiny rescues history is we, 
this was years ago, but we did not have the finances to do rescue. And one of the girls that we'd been building a relationship with and trying to get out, um, when, when we were able to mobilize rescue agents again, they, they found her uh, beaten, naked, and abused in And and so to minimize the uh, importance of finances, to know at the end of that is is a child's freedom. I think finances are very important. Uh, you know, during this pandemic, um, poverty already existed, but it made it worse. And and if you're if you're in a village, if you're in a slum village, if you're in a remote village, if you're in a hill tribe, if you're in a lower caste system. There wasn't much resources to go around, but whatever did go around, it didn't make it to you. And um, so we we were able to get out and deliver food packs um, to over a thousand families throughout various countries, and, and to get to places where the country's resources were not getting to. And in fact, we had many people who would say they they were at the place where they were going to give up and die. Um, and and then God sent Destiny Rescue with. Um, we were able to use these food packs to get into places because, you, you know, even though we went into lockdown, evil does not go into lockdown, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> evil does not yeah. lock down. It, it grows. It festers in, in times like this. So exploitation and slavery was still happening. They were just doing it in different ways. And by being able to get out and deliver food, we found many places and, and new ways that people were exploiting and selling kids. And so we were able to continue to rescue through every of food packs and infiltrate new places of, of darkness. So um, I, I can't, you, you, you know, you, you bring your loaves, you bring your five loaves, you bring your few fish that you have and, and God's going to multiply it. It's just one of those things. He's, he settled it. It, it's not about how much you have to give. It's about the faith in which you give it. And, and God's going to do a lot with it. Uh, you know, and, and beyond that, we do have documentaries and, and you can do, you know, you don't even have to gather in a home. You could share your screen and share it in a zoom meeting or a Google yeah. meeting and yeah. just begin to talk about it. How could you pray? And what are the things, matter of fact, I just today had someone come up and say, Hey, our family, one of the things we do every Christmas is we don't just receive gifts. We like to give gifts. And, yeah. and so um, our family, um, you know, some are selling cookies and others are, um, making Christmas decorations and selling those as a fundraiser, but the, every family is doing something unique and, and it's to raise money and, and they're going to use that money to rescue kids. I, I, I love that they're figuring out, Hey, let's use Christmas as Christ coming to earth as a time that we can send Christ into other people's life in, in a, in a way that's very much needed. So uh, we have a creative God. If we think, if we sit long enough, talk, talk with enough people he will he will show us the uh creativity he's placed inside us of how we can help rescue kids man that's um so good jason thank you so much for your time thank you for this conversation um i just want to briefly wrap up referencing that isaiah 61 uh this podcast is called theologizing life and so we talk about um how what we think about what we think about god shapes the lives we live and um, that Isaiah 61 passage, Jesus quoted in Luke 4, and it was sort of almost like a mission statement. And so this, as Christ followers, 
um, this is part of sharing the gospel. This is part of our mission. Uh, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set the oppressed free. So anytime we are part of reclaiming what darkness has stolen, anytime we are light in dark places, um, anytime we are part of setting the oppressed free, uh, we are doing gospel-centered work. And um, I just love the work that Destiny Rescue is doing. Um, I'm, I love uh, that you have uh, – that you're calling in ministry – has uh, you're an example of someone who who you know it doesn't just have to be lived out as as a pastor or a preacher in, in the local church. That's not what uh, we can live out ministry in so many ways. And um, I just uh, thankful for you and Destiny Rescue and the work you guys are doing. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you, Anthony. Thanks for being willing to have the the hard conversation and and bringing light and an opportunity for your listeners to to engage in very much what's in the heart of God. So grateful for you, man. Pray for you that uh, God would just um, multiply and give favor to your influence that you would bring an audible, um, you you would make his heart audible and visible to those that are around you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. 